All right, man. Welcome to the podcast. My first episode. So I have been thinking about doing a podcast for a little while now. I am your classic sports junkie, always tuned into these different sports outlets and shows, part of my take, PTI, first take, foreplay golf, all sorts of different stuff that I'm watching and listening to on a week-to-week basis. So I'm looking to keep mine to the four sports that I watch primarily, basketball, football, golf, and UFC. I'm a huge Michigan State Spartan fan, for those who don't know me. Just a diehard, diehard Spartan fan. Definitely looking to talk about the upcoming football season and then into the basketball season next winter. Any big recruits that our guys land into the program. I'm a huge Detroit sports fan. Our Pistons are on the rise. We got the should-be rookie of the year, Kate Cunningham, going crazy. I'm tuned in every Sunday at 1 o'clock for the Lions to break my heart, but this year, I'm actually very excited. I, I love our new coach, Dan Campbell, and some of the acquisitions we've made over the offseason. So I'm super excited to see what team we got this year and really excited to watch the upcoming Hard Knock season. So I'll, I'll be commenting on that for sure. Outside of that, I'm a huge golfer and love professional golf. I'll definitely be looking to talk about, at minimum, the four majors on tour, starting with the Masters today, but also some other big tournaments that are sprinkled throughout the throughout the season. And then UFC is a sport that I've been getting into a lot over the last couple of years. Looking to definitely talk about the, the main events, the big cards that'll be that'll be taking place throughout the summer and into the winter. Looking to try and do some previews and some recaps of those. So so yeah, man, we'll see how it goes. Maybe try and get a podcast or two out a month, depending on how often I get back to it. And more, more importantly, depending on how hard it is to actually get these things recorded straight through and get them posted. So it'll be a learning curve for me. But with that said, let's get into it, starting with the 2022 Masters. If you know me, you know I love this golf tournament. It's probably my favorite event in sports. Every golfer loves this tournament. It's the first of the four majors every year, and in my opinion, the most important and the most prestigious. Down in Augusta, Georgia, at Augusta National, the premier the premier golf course on tour, And by now, you've heard the main story that Tiger Woods, the GOAT, is back. Tiger got out to Augusta this last weekend on Saturday or Sunday. People were following his jet from Florida out to Augusta, Georgia, taking pictures of planes in the sky, posting them them on the internet saying, "I, I see Tiger on his way out there. And that's just Tiger Woods, man. There is nobody that moves the needle in golf or in any sports like Tiger Woods. I could not be more thrilled as a golf fan that we get Tiger Woods at Augusta National this weekend competing for his sixth green jacket. It was a question whether or not we were going to get Tiger all season, let alone this early. So it's the golf gods have graced us with the GOAT back only 14 months after a devastating car crash that left his leg damn near crushed. He's put a couple practice rounds down already with his longtime buddy, Freddie Couples, and his what appears to be protege, Justin Thomas. And both of them have said that that Tiger looks good. Freddie said that it's not even a question about the swing. His swing looks good. It looks fast. He's hitting fairways, greens in regulation. Uh, he's doing what He's doing what Tiger does. But it's obviously much more of a question about the leg. Can the leg hold up for what should be four 
four long walks around Augusta National, a long and hilly golf course. Certainly one of, if not the hardest walks on the PGA Tour. And JT echoed, echoed that same sentiment, saying there's no doubt that Tiger Woods can compete in this tournament. It's just whether or not he can get from A to B. So, so that's a great sign. Tiger himself has said that he believes he can win. I believe it was Dan Rappaport, a columnist for Golf Digest, a great Twitter follow if you like the PGA Tour, that asked Tiger in the newsroom yesterday whether or not he thinks he can get it done out at Augusta, and Tiger replied with, I do. So if Tiger thinks he can win, JT and Freddie thinks he can win, then I sure as hell do. And so obviously the reason it's such a big story, Tiger's return to golf, is because of the crash that he got in last year in February of 2021 on his way home from the Genesis Invitational, a tournament that Tiger hosts out in Southern California. Rolled his car, flipped it into a ditch, and basically crushed his leg underneath the weight of the vehicle. He suffered multiple compound fractures to his tibia and fractures to his right foot and ankle. Surgeons had to implant a metal rod into his right leg about the length of his calf just to restore stability to his tibia, and then a bunch of screws and pins into his foot and ankle. I saw x-ray pictures of his leg after the, the accident, and there was a bunch of hardware in there, so it was bad, man. And I think he was looking at 8 to 12 weeks initial healing before he could consider getting up and doing any sort of real physical therapy, let alone swinging golf clubs. So to have Tiger Woods back in golf at the Masters, only 14 months removed from that accident, is, is just incredible. But with that said, let's get into some odds for the Masters this year, starting with the five golfers most likely to win the major in order. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, and Dustin Johnson. John Rahm, plus 1,000, 10 to 1 on the books. No surprise there. John Rahm's probably been the favorite to win just about every made, or excuse me, every tournament up to this point this season. In my opinion, he's the golf round tour that probably has the least amount of glaring weaknesses. He's super strong, has amazing ball striking. He's great around the greens. So, yeah, no surprise that he's the favorite to win the Masters. Seven of eight cuts made already this year for Rahm. He's got six wins on tour and got his first major last year, that 2021 U.S. Open. Currently stands at 17th in FedEx Cup points. And I have no doubt that John Rahm will be in contention. Uh, he, he almost never misses, misses the cuts anymore. And the world was enamored with him last year, waiting to see him get his first major, having been widely considered as you know the number one golfer in the world to have yet captured a, a major championship. And now that he's crossed that bridge, I think that we could see John Rahm take off. So excited to see what Rahm does this weekend. After John Rahm is Scotty Scheffler, the 25-year-old phenom. Number one golfer in the world, first in FedEx Cup standings, and already has three wins on tour this season, and all of them come in his last five starts. He won the Arnold Palmer, the Waste Management out in Phoenix, and then that Match Play World Golf Championship only a couple months back. And Scotty Scheffler is just on fire but has no majors. So I just spoke about how Rahm at this point last year was widely considered you know, the best golfer in the world to have yet won a major. And at this point, I'd say it's certainly Scotty Scheffler. And the only other person that really is in that, in that conversation at this point is probably Cam Smith, who I'll get to in just a minute. But Scotty Scheffler's on fire. He's on an absolute heater. I expect that we'll see, we'll see Scotty Scheffler for sure in contention come Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's on the final leaderboard. After Scotty Scheffler is JT, Justin Thomas comes into the, the 2022 Masters with 14 wins on tour, 
one major championship, that 2017 PGA Championship, which is crazy to read back. It seems like JT should have way more than one major. 14th in FedEx Cup standing, 759 points, but he does already have five top 10 finishes this season. It feels like over the past couple months, JT's been building up for a big win, and I'm rolling with JT this weekend. I believe that it's it's JT's time to win his first Masters, a tournament that he loves. And like I said, he's just been playing so well, it feels like he's shaping up for a really big outing, and I'm going to pick him this weekend to win the Masters. After Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, who I just spoke on, comes into the comes into the 2022 Masters at third in FedEx Cup points. He's got three, a three, it might be five victories on tour. It's got to be five victories on tour. Fresh off that 2022 Player Championship, the biggest purse in golf history. Also won the Century of Tournament Champions of this year. So yes, he came into the this season with three Ws and already has now won two. So he's got five. Uh, and four top 10 finishes already this year. So Cameron Smith is playing is playing phenomenal. 28 years old. I'm not surprised at all to see Cam Smith on the top five uh, with, with the, one of the highest odds to win the Masters. And then after Cam Smith is DJ, the oldest of the, of the five, 37 years old. Dustin Johnson's got 24 career wins, two majors, that U.S. Open at Oakmont back in 2016, and then the 2020 Masters where Tiger Woods blessed him with the green jacket. 90th in FedEx Cup points, 276 points, two top 10s already this year, and DJ's just, at this point, one of the most experienced golfers on tour, has played has played everywhere and always plays well in the majors. I believe I read that DJ is fourth in scoring average of the majors in the majors over the past 10 years at like 70.6 or something like that, so he always shows up for the big ones, and so no surprise to see that, John, uh, excuse me, Dustin Johnson in the top five. Other notable odds, you got Hideki Matsuyama, the reigning champion, uh, at 35 to 1. He's made 11 of 12 cuts this year. Will Zalatoris, the runner up in the 2021 Masters, that same line, plus 3,500. He's 8 for 10 on cuts this year. You got Brooks Kepka at plus 2,000, 7 of 12 cuts made this year. Brooks just always turns it up in the big ones. He just plays great in the majors. I like Brooks at plus 2,000 just as much as some of these guys in the top five when you think about Dustin Johnson at plus 1,600 or Cam Smith at 1,400. So if you're building like a DraftKings lineup and you got to pick four or five golfers uh, and you can get John Rahm at a good rate, I, I'd definitely throw him in there. But otherwise, I hit on it. Tiger Woods, the GOAT at plus 4,000. I I love plus 4,000. I'm going to take that at least in some fashion. Like I mentioned, Tiger is going to make the cut. He brings more experience to this golf course than probably damn near the rest of the field combined. Like, listen to these stats for Tiger at the Masters. In his last 21 starts, he has 14 top 10s, 8 top 3s, 5 green jackets, and 0 missed cuts. I think the only missed cut he's ever had at the Masters was really early in his career. He's first all-time in scoring average at this tournament. He's bagged almost $10 million alone from Augusta National. He's got to be, if not the only, one of the only two or three players in the field with multiple green jackets. I know Bubba's out there and has two. And then you think about Phil, who's not going to be out there. And then maybe Bernhard Langer. I'm not sure if he's in the field this this year or not, but I believe that he has a couple, couple masters. But definitely the only one to ever do it back-to-back in 2001-2002. So that's just absolute pure dominance 
and for that reason, I say Tiger's making the cut. And if if you get some money on Tiger and you watched him through the weekend, I'd have no surprise to see Tiger shock the world and end up being on the final leaderboard coming to Sunday. You know, I expect that he'll be gimp. He already looks a little gimp getting around the golf course, but as long as that doesn't affect his swing and he can get through the four rounds, I think that he has at least a decent chance to, to compete in this tournament. The final golfer that I want to hit on is James Pyatt, an amateur in the field this weekend at Augusta National, a fifth-year senior at Michigan State University, majoring in finance. Born out in Farmington Hills, Michigan, I think he said he lives out in Canton, Michigan now, went to Detroit Catholic Central High School. This kid is a legend, living the dream of any kid who grew up in the state of Michigan playing golf. Listen to these stats. James led Detroit Catholic Central to three consecutive high school state championships. He won the Michigan Junior Amateur Championship in 2015, Big Ten Freshman Player of the Year at Michigan State in 2018. In 2020, he went to the USAM as the number two seed before losing in the second round during stroke play. But in 2021, it just takes off. All Big Ten first team, All-American honorable mention, School record for lowest scoring average over the course of the season. He went back to the U.S. Amateur in 2021, advanced to the final round where he won four consecutive holes on the back nine to beat Austin Grigia of North Carolina and become the first golfer ever born in the state of Michigan to win the U.S. Amateur. Just legendary. James Pyatt tees off on Thursday in the group directly after Tiger, Ustazen, and Joaquin Neiman, and he's playing with none other than Justin Thomas and the reigning champion Hideki Matsuyama. So that's just spectacular. He's been staying up in the crow's nest since this last weekend. I think he was one of the first players on property, which I don't blame him. And for those who don't know, the crow's nest is just a little bunkhouse on the second floor of Augusta National Clubhouse reserved for amateurs who want to stay on property during the course of play. It's like the back room at your grandma's house, and it can only be reached by ladder. It's, it's, just, your, it's just an old bunkhouse with twin beds, old furniture. Everything's green and white with master's logos all over it. Some of the greats have stayed there over the years as amateurs. Pictures of the legends, Tiger and Jack and Arnold hanging on the walls. And so it's just a little legendary bunkhouse that amateurs across the world wish they could stay in. He said himself in a couple of interviews that he was looking forward so much to staying in the crow's nest and that he can't wait until a couple other amateurs get up there so he can hang out with them. Um, But that's just got to be the coolest experience ever for a, a kid that's still in college to get out to Augusta National, even to get to practice it the course three four times before he gets out there to actually play it so uh, i'll be rooting for james pyatt this weekend for sure he's obviously got his hands full with this one but i hope that he goes out there and posts some low numbers so that's about it for the masters i could not be more excited to watch this there is nothing better than early to the early to uh, mid weekend in in april watching the masters through the weekend and i'm just praying that we get to see tiger play well and if we are blessed with the opportunity to watch him compete for the green jacket come sunday afternoon i will be glued to my tv watching that so so excited switching lanes over to the ufc we got ufc 273 taking place this weekend out in jacksonville florida this one is shaping up to be a banger the first of the final three fights, we got a welterweight showdown between Kamzat Shemaev and Gilbert Burns. Kamzat Shemaev is the guy that people want to see on this card. 
Shamayev, the number 11 contender in the welterweight division, a 27-year-old fighter out of Stockholm, Sweden, by way of Chichnya, Russia. This dude's a big welterweight. 6'2", 170 pounds, 75-inch reach, a freestyle fighter, undefeated in the UFC. 10-0, 6 by knockout, 4 by submission, and none of the, nobody has really given this guy a fight. He'll give you that classic Russian style made famous by Khabib Nurmagomedov and all those other dudes out of AK in Southern California. Wrestle you to death. This dude is just an anaconda. In his last fight against Li Jinglang, he shot early in the fight, picked Jinglang up, carried him back across the octagon and slammed him in front of his, in front of his coaches. And that's about where the fight ended for Jinglang. He never got back up off the mat. The fight ended in the first round after Shamayev got back mount on Jinglang wrapped his legs around his waist, slipped the left under his chin and then his right before he ended the fight by rear naked choke. Jing Lang didn't even tap, he just went to sleep. So this dude's an absolute monster. But on the other side of the octagon, you got Gilbert Burns, 35-year-old fighter, the number two contender in the welterweight division, fighting out of Lantana, Florida by way of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. A jiu-jitsu fighter, a stockier welterweight. 5'10", 170 pounds, 71-inch reach, 20 and 4 in the UFC, 8 and 2 in his last 10, 5 wins by decision, 2 by knockout, and 1 by submission. Those two losses come to Dan Hooker and Kamaro Usman, the pound for pound champ right now. Fresh off a win against Steven Thompson in UFC 264. And the line currently stands at Shamayev, negative 490, a heavy favorite over Gilbert Burns' plus 360. And I'm not sure that I'm there with, with that, at least all the way there with that. Gilbert Burns is a great fighter. That fight against Kamaru Usman that took place back in February of last year was a great fight. He gave Kamaru one of the best contests I'd say that he's had to date. Gilbert Burns landed a bomb right hook on Kamaru Usman in that fight that dropped Kamaru to one hand on the canvas. Burns landed a couple other big shots in that first round before Kamaru Usman got behind the championship jab that, that, he, that he scouts in every single fight. It, and it was one of those stiff snapping jabs that dropped Gilbert Burns on his back. I believe it was in maybe the third round before it was a sort of standing ground and pound that got the W for Kamaru Usman in that fight. But Gilbert Burns gave him a great contest, something that Kamaru Usman has not had much of outside of like really the first fight with Colby Covington. And so for that reason alone, I'm giving him a shot against Shemaev. Shemaev 10-0 but hasn't really fought anybody, at least nobody to the likes of Gilbert Burns to this point. You know, he, he, he killed Jing Lang, and the, the fight against Rice McKee was eerily similar to the Li Jing Lang fight. So I'd be looking to see Shemaev, you know, pull some of that early shoot and, and tackle early in the fight against Gilbert Burns. But, but Gilbert Burns is certain to give Shemaev a better fight. You know, with that said, I would roll with Shemaev. He's a heavy favorite for a reason. Shemaev is a monster, and that this this very well could be the coming out party for Shemaev. If that's the case, we probably will see Kamzat Shemaev fighting Kamaru Usman sooner than later. Maybe 13, 14 fights under his belt, we could see Shemaev going for that welterweight, going for that undisputed welterweight championship against the GOAT right now. So I'm super excited for this one. For this to be the first of the final three fights to get it early in the card, uh, we are lucky for this, and I am excited to see what Shemaev brings to the table. The second of the final three fights, a bantamweight showdown between Eljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. Eljamain Sterling, 
32-year-old fighter comes in as the champion, fighting out of Cortland, New York by Uniondale, New York. A 5'7 bantamweight, 135 pounds, 71-inch reach. A Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt, a former Division III wrestler. 20-3 in the UFC on a six-fight win streak. 8-2 in his last 10. Five wins by decision, two by submission, and one by DQ. That one by DQ is what's important in this one. Peter Jan, 29 years old, out of Duninka, Russia. Uh, fresh off a win against Corey Sanhagen. Five foot seven, 135 pounds, 67 inch reach, a mixed martial artist, 16 and two in the UFC, nine and one in his last 10, four by TKO, four by decision, and one knockout over uh, Matthias Mateos. In that one loss, the DQ against Aljamain Sterling last year in March of 2021. Peter Jan was winning that fight easily. He was the aggressor in the fight, walking Aljamain Sterling down before he landed a couple shots that dropped Sterling to one knee on the mat, one knee and one hand on the mat, before Peter Jan landed a knee to the side of Aljamain Sterling's head, which is a big no-no in the UFC, an extremely dangerous strike, obviously kneeing a downed opponent, and the, and the fight was immediately suspended. They gave Aljamain Sterling the time he needed to recover from that, but he certainly looked dazed, probably certainly concussed at the very least, and it was only after a doctor stepped in and said Aljamain could not continue that the judge had to call the fight by disqualification, which gave Aljamain Sterling the championship belt and, and, and made Peter Jan relinquish it himself. I don't even want to say that it was controversial because the strike was certainly illegal. It was just controversial in the fact that Peter Peter Jan was winning that fight easily. And so for him to have to relinquish his belt due to DQ was just didn't feel right. Uh, and to Aljamain Sterling's defense, they brought the belt out, wrapped it around his waist, and he immediately took it off and threw it onto the canvas. He said later in, in some interviews that you just, you know, you 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 train all this time to get to this stage, to have a chance to win the title, and to to get it by disqualification just doesn't feel good. But some controversy rose later that night when some videos were posted online of Aljamain Sterling at a house party after the fact with some friends drinking, having a good time. They got him to kind of admit that he was the champion. So since then, Aljamain Sterling's been talking to Peter Young by Twitter and other means, you know, saying that Peter Young ain't the champ no more, that the belt is rightfully his. And Peter Young actually just replied to him by Twitter only a couple weeks ago saying, Aljamain Sterling's prayers to God have not been answered. I have landed in the U.S. for UFC 273. So this one is bad blood comes to a boil. I'm super excited to see how this goes down. Aljamain Sterling comes into this fight a significant underdog at plus 350, a similar line to the first fight last year. Uh, and I'm right there with this one. I, I think Peter Jan's going to win this fight. I just think he's the better fighter. Aljamain Sterling showed me absolutely nothing in their first fight to say that he can beat a Peter Jan. But Aljamain Sterling's been really good in some other contests. I think the real question here is going to be what Aljamain Sterling shows up on Saturday night. So excited for this one as well. But then, of course, the main event of the evening, the final fight of the night, a featherweight showdown between Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Chun Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, all-time UFC nickname. But Alexander Volkanovsky, the champ, 33, year, 33 years old, fighting out of Winding, New South Wales, Australia. A mixed martial artist, 5'6", 144.50 on the scale, 71.5-inch reach. 
comes into this fight on a 23 fight win streak 23 and 1 in the UFC 10 and 0 in his last 10 obviously two title defenses out of those seven by decision three by TKO Alexander Volkanovsky in his last three fights has beaten Brian Ortega two, uh, Max Holloway twice and the legend Jose Aldo and those fights are significant for the fact that Alexander Volkanovsky is considered to be one of, if not the greatest featherweight of all time, and so to have beaten two of the only other fighters that are really in that conversation within the welterweight division, excuse me, featherweight division, Max Holloway and Jose Aldo, is significant. But on the other side of the octagon, the Korean zombie fighting out of Seoul, South Korea, by way of Pohang, South Korea, the number four contender in the featherweight division. Five foot seven, 146 pounds, 72 inch reach, very similar in stature to Alexander. 17 and six in the UFC, seven and three in his last 10, four by TKTKO, two by, two by submission, and one by decision. Those three losses come to Brian Ortega, Yario Rodriguez, and Jose Eldo. So, some similarity in who these individuals have been fighting over the past, past couple years. Volkanovski comes into the fight as a heavy, a heavy favorite. Uh, the biggest favorite of the night at negative 720 in most sports book. Chan Sung Jung comes in at plus 500. And unfortunately, I think that that's probably going to be about correct. I, I don't know if I see Chung Sung Jung getting to the end of this fight. Volkanovski is the best featherweight I have ever seen, having not got to see Jose Aldo really in his prime. And, and, and I expect Volkanovski to win this one with ease. I'd, I'd probably even, if, I'm a, if I was betting on this, Take Volkanovski by stoppage of some sort, whether you want to get him by TKTKO before the fight is over or by some other means to get it boosted, hopefully to maybe the, the positive numbers. But I just don't think Chan Zong Zhang has what it takes. He's a great fighter, but just has not fought anybody to the ranks of Volkanovski and at least not one against anybody against the ranks against Vol uh, like Volkanovski. But regardless, excited to watch this one. We'll see if I'm able to stay up late enough past the Shamaya fight to be able to watch this one play out. But all in all, looks like it's going to be a hell of a card on Saturday. And I think this is really the, the last big card that we get for a little while. Off the top of my head, I think the next big one's probably going to be probably going to be Oliveira versus Gaethje. And I don't know if that takes place until a little bit later in the summer. So super excited to watch this. But otherwise, that's pretty much a wrap for my first show. Like I said, maybe try and get a recap out next week for the Masters and then UFC 273. Get my take out there on the fights. Uh, and then whoever it is that is lucky enough to wear the green jacket come Sunday evening. So happy Masters weekend and thanks for listening. <laughs>